Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com podcast. And welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Toro, and joining me today is the one and only, and I do mean one and only because he is the first ever three-time Fightful Boxing Podcast guest. Marquise Johns is back, and we're doing this in video for the first time. How's looking it feel it, over there in, in Tampa? Pretty good, Carlos, man. Three times the charm as always, man. Looking forward to doing this with you on this one during talking some boxing goodness during a time where we may get some fights. They've announced some fights that no one wants to watch, and then we get everything else along the way. Uh, yeah, so uh, first of all, I hope everyone is safe or, uh, in their quarantine. So hopefully everyone is practicing social distancing and not trying to get everyone sick. I myself am stuck at home. My hair is a mess, as you can see. I'm starting to grow a beard, but that's because I forgot to shave right before we came on the air. And I was like, screw it. <laughs> don't care. I don't care. I don't care at this point. It, at, a, at a point where I should care about my appearance, I'm just like, you know what? It's not as bad. I'm wearing my Puerto Rico uh, jacket, my Puerto Rico shirt, my hoodie. I love this shirt. And you know what? Screw it. I'm just, just going to be chill. We're going to be talking about Nicaraguan boxing. So, Yeah. Oh, no, we're fine. It makes me feel any better. This is the rally goatee I usually carry during baseball <laughs> season. Since I haven't got a, the same haircut you have in the last, like, four to six weeks at this point. And it's weird because the way my face is set up on video, you guys can look at this. This doesn't get any farther than this. It, it, it just comes in all scraggly and it turns gray. Surprise you cut before I had to push the, the kid in. So we're good to go. <laughs> so obviously you live in Tampa. I live in Cleveland right now. I kind of hate your city because you guys got Tom Brady. And meanwhile, the Cleveland Browns are still the Cleveland Browns. Well, it, it, Carlos, it could be worse. Here's what happens with the Bucks. The Bucks have been trying to, to bootleg and copy the Patriots strategy for years. That goes back to when they hired the greatness of Greg Schiano down here, and we all know how that turned out, unfortunately. So we picked up Brady. Grant, we picked up Tom Brady at age, was he 42 at this point, 43? Better late than never, I guess. We'll, we'll see if he can do the whole Joe Montana thing and get this team to the playoffs. Luckily, they got Gronk with them. They got some weapons around them. You got 24-7 champion. Gronk. 
you got you got to give him the proper respect. Twenty four seven champion. I'm excited. I am. I'm just waiting. At some point of the season, and I can just picture it. Let's go to New Orleans. It's in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady about to hike the ball. Got Gronk on the left side, and all of a sudden, you just see Drew Brees coming in, just smack Gronk with a chair, pin him, have one of the NFL referees, because I think the rule is there has to be a referee. I don't think they ever specified yeah. it has to be a WWE referee. They count the pin. Drew Brees is your 24-7 champion. I'm waiting for that to happen. You know what? I'm going to pull this ultimate swerve on you. I think it's going to be happening in Miami, and it's going to be the uh, Miami Dolphins mascot. They're going to have R-True for one of these random WWE guys in the, in the mascot uniform. He's going to pin. He's going to run around with the belt. He's going to take the helmet off. It's going to look weird. <laughs> I, can, I can see something along those lines happening, but the fact that Gronk still has that belt and they're acting like he doesn't have that belt is amazing to me. He, he's got he's to get that belt off at some point, right? Like, what are we doing with this? I know it's during these times it's hard just to, go, to walk around and, like, 10 people out in public, but you got to get that belt off more or hold another tournament. I mean, how hard is that? <laughs> hold another 24-7. Everybody has to face each other 24-7. You know, at the end of seven days, whoever doesn't get pinned is the new champion. It can't be any simpler than that. I mean, we're not in WWE creative, but it can't be that hard to put on paper, right? Like, at some point, someone has to just conjure up some of these things. I know they don't have much in terms of uh, uh, viewership and or people paying attention to actually do this stuff or actual wrestlers at this point. A lot of these folks are still, uh, like everybody else, being stuck in their house, but they have to arrange something. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it, actually. I, I'm, I'm sure you saw the story as well that they're doing this whole weird Money in the Bank uh WWE studio cinematic thing again. So, I mean, we're going to, they're going to have to because there's no, you can only have so many uh, matches without any studio audiences. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, Carl, so I want that for this at you as well, speaking about that. WWE has been well known and well documented for putting sound in, right? You mean to tell me uh. they, they don't have any footage of a crowd cheering and or booing on any of these tapes on the network? They, they can't find any of this audio? <laughs> See, now, I will defend WWE in that one because that I don't know if you ever seen like weird like eighties nineties indie shows uh, on VHS where they have like the where they actually have a crowd and they just pipe in like extra crowd noise. For, uh, oh in yeah, post. I gotta tell you, it looks it's way way worse than okay. just having no crowd uh, no crowd noise. I I actually prefer this than just coming in and bring it and just on speakerphone and just bring in all the uh, fake crowd noise. I actually kind of prefer the way they have it now because ugh, I'm, if you ever see like a Herb Abrams UWF show, it's bad. Yeah, that stuff is pretty it's, bad. And, 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 and that stuff is atrocious. And I want to say that, that that's one of the upcoming Dark Side of Ring episodes. I'm actually looking I forward to seeing how week. much of yeah, I'm looking forward to see how much they got of that because that stuff was horrendous. And I think one of those shows they filmed was, I want to say, in Daytona down here. That's about four hours from me tops. And it's like, oh, like, no, it, no, it is not. That, that UWF stuff is not good stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, oof, it's not great. But, hey, you know, we, we, I wanted to bring you in I, as much as we love to talk wrestling. Yeah. I wanted to bring you in for a couple of reasons. One – Wanted to talk to someone who also covered, or at, least, at the very least, watched this car from Nicaragua that I referenced earlier in the show. 
because it is the, as far as I can remember, it is the first boxing card, at least on this side of the world, that has taken place and has been televised since this entire mess started. Since, like, what's the last televised boxing? It was the Showbox show in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. In, in the States, it was the Showbox card. Uh, that Saturday afterwards, there was a card in Chile that uh, Dragonfire had with a... Uh... I want to say they had like that, that Saturday. That's the official last card was down there. Outside of that, no, we, unless it's been unsanctioned or on World Star Hip Hop, no, those are the last fights we've had going. And speaking of Dragonfire Boxing, later in the show, you're actually going to listen to an interview I did with Andres Campos, the undefeated Chilean prospect ah. who actually fought on that card. So it's a uh, so very nice, unintentional segue. You just, they're, they're marquees. Anytime, Carlos. But yeah, no, Campos is a good-looking prospect, by the way. You guys got to check that interview out, actually, because I because if he fought anything like he did in that last fight down there, where he won by a pretty wide decision, that fight wasn't even close. He, he's one to look out for. I, I agree. He is someone. He's nine and zero already in ten round bouts, and, and is already holding a couple of WBA and WBO regional titles. I think he's going to be someone to watch out for in the flyweight division. Maybe not in 2020, 2021, but I think maybe as he matures. And starts to grow into his body a little bit more when he turns like 26, 27. That's when it's going to be dangerous to watch out for. So I'm excited to see how his uh, how his career unfolds. No, he's he's one to keep an eye out for actually. And it's weird because like the media down in Chile, like because a few stories I covered with those guys during the during some of the campus early fights, they picked up on it. So there's there's a guy that they're keeping a, a very close eye on in terms of how he moves up the ranks. And yeah, about 2022 would be one to keep an eye out as well. It's interesting because Dragonfire is having a, a lot of camps down there as well as in Australia. Is that there's there's they're slowly building a worldwide empire on the on the other side of the other side of the globe outside of the U.S. It's kind of neat to see. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally agree. It's Dragonfire is a, a company you should watch out for in the near future. But but speaking, going back to the card in Nicaragua, for yeah. those who don't know, ESPN Deportes, which is the Spanish language channel in the U.S. They aired a boxing card from Nicaragua, and it is the first boxing card, as I mentioned, first live boxing card that was televised in the United States. And I gotta say, I came into this show, and by the way, there were five, I believe five out of eight fights were televised on ESPN Deportes. And I came into this card with no expectations whatsoever. I'm like... It's a rematch from October. Two guys who aren't really that good. One one half of the main event is on a four-fight losing streak. I was just really happy to just get any boxing. And about midway through the card, I kind of started thinking to myself, this is a good card. This is actually... And I may be grading on a curve, but I'm actually genuinely enjoying this card. No, the card Carlos on Saturday was actually really good, and it's weird because if you looked at the card on paper, like you went through box record, just like looked at, looked at record totals, it's like okay, it plays out like a standard club show where it's like okay, we're going to get a couple of squash fights, a couple of bad uh, heavyweight prospects. Freddie Fonseca was on here getting an easy victory and stuff like that. I was like, oh boy, here, here, here we go. But no, actually, the fight card was actually really good. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned like the main event was that rematch, and it's weird because I don't know if you saw the story behind it, but. That rematch was sanctioned by commission, obviously, because of the weird circumstances of, of yeah. the first fight where he was knocked out, and then all of a sudden the ref was like, all right, we're done here. And it's like, really? Like, it was one of the, it's one of the worst stoppages I've ever seen on actual tape, and there's actually tape of it. And it's like, ooh. So I'm, I'm glad they replayed that fight back. But no, this actually was a really good card for it. 
even for a club show, like, I, I mean, usually when you go into a club show, Carlos, I don't, I don't get your perspective on this. People always have, like, the same feeling where it's, like, either you expect to see the competition on terms of, like, either, like, tough man competitions or, like, charity fighting events where you see, like, you know, cops versus firefighters or the fire department, stuff like that, where it's like, all right, these guys really aren't golden gloves ringers or amateurs at all. They're just here to swing and see what happens. But, no, this actually raised my bar on a lot of that stuff. It's it's funny because this card was actually pretty good, which is weird because there's a card they announced that yesterday in, um, in Poland with uh, Marcellus Walk facing um, a guy I forgot who was still face who's still fighting and Kevin Johnson actually who's uh, still fighting mm-hmm. at age forty, mind you, who was last seen uh, who was last seen Carlos, as you well know, s- sleeping against the ropes against uh, Martin Bacoli. So we'll, we'll see how that shapes up. Uh, it's also on I'm Poland pay per view. I'm kind of disappointed about that. The, the <laughs> funny part is that the funny part is on if you were to translate um, convert the Polish price, it's less than five U.S. dollars. I'm that's like, still, that's still too much. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking like, you know, how often are we gonna get? First of all, this train wreck of a show. Yeah. And I'm like, and also it's like vodka. I'm like, I'm at the point. I'm almost at the point where I am okay with just about anything they bring out. And I'm like, if it's Marius Vak and Kevin Johnson in a $4.80 pay-per-view main event, I have, I've spent more money on worse things. I'm just saying. Yeah, I've wasted plenty of uh, TV, uh, TV KO uh, pay-per-views on dropping 20 bucks on a lot worse entertainment. So, And it's it's only interesting that it's like less than five bucks, but I'm really intrigued to see how this is going to look like on the uh, bootleggers market for this fight. Because for every person that wants to pay the five bucks in America, there's about 12 that's going to find it elsewhere. And I'm always intrigued on how that's going to look, but it's going to be in Polish. So we'll see how this all shapes out at the end, but... My thing with us, Carl Carson, I want to ask you this as well. Like, in terms of these fights that are there, that are staging with these studio shows, we, we obviously we all know that because some fighters already came out already said like, "Hey, I'm not fighting with the atmosphere of crowds and fans like Furman and Crawford and uh, several others." Like, they, Hearn came out this week said Anthony Joshua came out and he's like, "He's like, you know, it's not good for the Joshua brand to fight in the studio show." We get all that. I mean, we're not expecting that because there's money involved. There's too much money to be yeah. fighting with no gate. So I mean, it's, it's duh. So it's like I, I get that. My question to you is, how many more of these tuna fights in terms of, like, Johnson and Walker are we going to get before we get an actual championship fight that we actually can, like, tell people that haven't seen boxing since the quarantine started? Hey, there's a guy fighting that you may have actually heard of, and he's fighting in an event this weekend. I'm I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that card to come out. I'm hoping in June with Top Rank, because Top Rank has said they're making, like, two or three cards a week, mind you, which I think is going to be interesting. That's, that, that's the little excessive, I think. But we'll find out. Uh, in terms of who we're going to have, having seen, seen any some of these main events, but it at this point it really can't be no worse than what we got going on now. So I'm I'm willing to find out, but as long as guys are ready to fight, we're here. <laughs> By the way, I apologize to anybody who's listening to the, I guess fire trucks or ambulances going on outside. I live right next to a hospital, oh. so that is a common sound that I listen to on a regular basis. But yeah, so right now. After that Kevin Johnson Marius Vak fight, Matchroom still technically has the George Cambosos Jr. and Lee Selby fight, and Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin, oh. and what they had a they had a card on June July 11th that I'm completely blinking out right it's now. The, it's the next it, yeah it's the next gen card right I want to say 
I think it was the next gen card. Uh, yeah. Or at least, or at least a part of the next gen card. And then you got on July fourth also JoJo's versus uh, JoJo. I can play Daniel Dubois. I don't know why I blanked out, but JoJo Daniel Dubois. Those cards are still technically on the schedule. They haven't said anything about this card. I don't even know if they're still selling tickets or anything. I have no idea. But they're still yeah. still technically on the on the docket. There's a possibility. I'm I'm intrigued, especially since that that Joyce Dubois card, which I'm surprised Frank hasn't scrapped it yet. Knowing him, I mean, if he can't get a gate or an outdoor venue for that thing, I don't know worried because I don't see that being a studio show at all. So I'm I'm it really intrigued. That that's it should be no. That's the one thing I will give Hearn credit for because he came out on the IFL as he usually does, rambling for hours upon hours, mind you. But the one thing he did mention in all of his diet in one of his diatribes was that he mentioned the Joshua brand in terms of like having the, the the image of him fighting behind people. I get all that. I mean, it's the old cliche where you know it's it's prize fighting. We gotta see people behind, but uh, in terms of the atmosphere with that, you can't have your legacy being known as hey, remember that guy? Remember that time that Joshua lost and there was no one around to see it? You know, I, you, you don't want that stigma on there. You gotta have no. you know, Louise in the crowd or something. So I get it, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued on what. Wow, I'm I'm really. It's funny you mentioned those things are actually still on the board. Maybe, maybe they, maybe folks in the UK are doing something that we don't know about yet. But nothing up there is up and running yet. Like I think they've already pushed back like their their premier soccer season. I think memory serves me well already. So if, if there's no actual live sports in Britain like it is in the US, where they're they're contemplating having baseball here, that doesn't sound feasible considering that the local team here is furloughing employees, mind you. So it's like uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, but. Yeah, when when no life when there's no corporation sports like that, or they've already talked about the, the NFL being delayed till October already. I mean, it, it's hard to see that these fights in July are are, are going to be still, somehow still on the board. But well, time yeah, will tell. Yeah, and not only that, I'm right now reading the British Boxing Board of Control's latest statement on the thing, and they said they're hopeful that pro boxing commences in July. And right now they've already, and they've said initially it is unlikely that crowd attending promotions will be permitted. So already, that already kind of maybe not officially puts the shish kebab on George Cambosa versus Lee Selby because that's in June, late June. Yeah. And there's no way there. Is, I maybe I'm wrong. There is no way in hell, uh, or at least they shouldn't. There's no way in hell that Eddie Hearn is going to allow Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin, and on the co-main event, Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor be done in front of no fans. It makes no sense whatsoever. No, no that's too much money and being that, lost on that. Not just that. Three, three quarters of your main and co-main event live outside of England. So we have no idea if they're, they're going to be allowed to even fly or, or if they fly, how, you know, how long do they have to be in quarantine for? Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Because uh, Serrano Taylor, Serrano's in New York. Like she has, she hasn't. She, she can't go out of the state with that stuff. Anyone who's flying out of New York, New York City, Jason at this point has been giving like the, the twenty-one questions salute when you fly off the plane at this point for like any, for any any regional travel in the U.S. domestic. It's it's interesting. My my boss at my job who was working so at the office actually uh, flew for, flew in from uh, Brooklyn like last week, and he got off the he got off the, the the airport like on Wednesday afternoon. And they gave him literally like the TSA shakedown. Like, hey, have you done this? Have you been exposed to this? Where have you gone? Like they've, they're, they've, they've all but not given him a tracking device on where he's been the last forty-eight hours. So if he killed somebody, they're gonna find out real quick. So nonetheless, yeah, it's gonna be tough with tough, tons of tons of travel with that. I think also as well with matchmaking. I think 
believe it or not, I think Chisora Usyk is still on the raw, still on the docket. Actually, I want to say that was for mid June. I'm I'm surprised I haven't pushed that back yet. But I don't that's think, another one. I don't think they've make. I could I could be wrong, but I don't think they've officially announced. It. I think they're saying, yeah, it's gonna be for this date. But I don't think there was a formal announcement. Well, wait, I think there was. I think there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was this. It's it's been so it almost feels like eternity since we talked about fights like these. And in reality, yeah. we've only been that we've only been through this for six weeks, but it feels like closer to six months. It might as well be six years because all these fights we're just mentioning were like fights like all right, looking forward to this one, this one, and this one, and then they just did this 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 pandemic just swiped all of it out, and it's like all right, all this is going to be on the back burner. We'll get to these fights when we can. That now it's like well. Is there a possibility we can now, or do we know? We we still don't know either way. And it's interesting with a lot of these fight cards. We'll see if they can do these things without having an actual crowd, which I'm going to be honest with you, Carlos. I'm in the minority on this. I know people have been saying for the longest, like, oh, they fight for, you know, with no people before. But it's like once you get to the professional level like this, you kind of want people in the background. Even, you know, even if it's just your parents, you want someone back there to say, you know, either cheer or boo. Like, that that's why we're not getting like any championship fights and we're getting you know these studio shows like this where it's you know the the essential personnel and the important people unless they can find unless they can stack all these cards in Nicaragua because they they because essentially Carlos we're all working up to getting to that's the blueprint essentially where they have the crowd everybody's spaced out the the whole movie theater seating thing where you have the the seat next to you and the seat next to you spaced out and you sit next to each other you have the guys in the mask. You have the ring card girl with the mask. You have the ring announcer with the mask. The refs mask. Everyone's up the fighters with mask are on. So, and, and and I saw that. I think they had weren't they hosing people down to walk into the place? I thought that was kind of interesting too. Where they had yeah, they, uh, they, they were they, they were at least taking temperatures with one of those machines that like it scans your forehead and it tells you if you're good or not. And yeah. they they were definitely like hosing down every square inch of the building. And and speaking of that card in Nicaragua, you know it's funny yeah. the as we mentioned. The card is actually really good. So I really quick running down uh, Brian Perez versus uh, defeats Lester Lara by TKO in the second round with just what I would say is a sensational left hook that just kind of started everything in the second round yeah. for Brian Perez. Yeah, once he hit that hook, that fight was pretty much a wrap. It was interesting because actually he was looking kind of shaky until that hook landed, and I was like, all right. And then that happened, and it's actually one of the it, well, actually that, that was the that was the knockout of the night. Actually, and if memory serves me well, that was the only knockdown of the night. There was a there was a stoppage. Well, and ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that stoppage in in just a second. Yeah. Uh, before that, <laughs> we had Byron Castellon against Elias Elgaso. Uh-huh. Uh, Byron won by unanimous decision. I'm pretty sure no scores were actually announced, but. The amazing number, and it's a number I still can't believe, but it makes sense when you actually think about it. This is the seventh time these two have fought in the pro ranks. And it's it, and this was Castellon's first win against Castle. It's it, it, I'm still like flabbergasted by the number, but the thing is, this was a fight contested at 105 pounds, and the problem is. If you're not from Thailand, if you're not from Japan, if you're not from Asia, and more specifically, if you're in the Central America, Latin America part, and you're a 105-pound fighter, good luck getting fights because yeah. you're not getting any. Like if you go to BoxRec, there are eight fighters from Nicaragua <laughs> competing in the 105-pound division. So it makes sense when you have four or five of those guys 
face each other three, four, five, six, and in this case, seven freaking times, <laughs> it's it's understandable. It's bizarre. And I gotta say, this was a neat little gem. This is a good fight. It's almost at a point where like they face each other so many times that they kind of know each other almost like the back of their hand. And that more often than not, that kind of tends to lead into a pretty good fight if both guys are willing to trade. Yeah, it was actually. And it's funny you mentioned that these guys fought seven times. They don't really fight that much in women's boxing with the same matchups and problems with weight classes. That's impressive, actually. I forgot about that. But no, it was actually a pretty good fight in terms of minimum weight. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot the guy was 105. It's like, wow. But no, it was interesting with that fight itself where they were throwing, and it was something about – it was something with – there you can actually hear them physically getting involved with it which is interesting because it, obviously with the with the court with the, with the social distancing stuff there wasn't obviously a sellout crowd or anything to, like packed to the gills of this place but you can just solely hear like the noise coming down from the rappers of where these guys are coming from and it's like oh because i think like the place they had the, the, the venue they had this fight card at carlos i'm guessing this like like it looked like it was up like for like just like general assembly like basketball or uh concerts because yeah. because it, it had it, it looked like uh the uh here in tampa it looked like the usf sundome here or well, it's called the Yingling Center here, but it's one of those basketball team plays. It's on. It's a university campus. It looked. It looked just like that, even down to the uh, the same scoreboard, actually, mind you, which is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but so it was weird that they had like the spacing of all of that set up, and, the, and the, you can still hear people with that. And I think that's what a lot of other boxers were talking about, like the the main guys who were holding championships and Crawford and Furman's and whatnot, are talking about like, hey, you need this fight atmosphere behind this to get behind the crowd and whatnot. And some of that's cool. I mean, some of it sounds like Rocky Four, but you know, it makes sense at the end of the day with stuff like that. But no, back to this fight. This fight was actually probably, for me, actually, it may have been the best fight in the card. And I'm looking back on it. They're just, just in terms of just it's one of the two. It's between that and the main event. You know what? Yeah, it's a toss up with that because I, I did like the main event actually. So yeah, but no, this was actually <laughs> this was actually really, no. That's that's how good this card was though. It's one of those things where it's like for once, we, we, it's not a clear cut. Like all right, this card is clearly this one fight now. There's just because there's so many of those that are going to come up down the pike now. Where it's like no, the main event is this, and it's like all right, this should be one way traffic. Let's see how long this lasts. And then we get stuff like this, and it's like all right, but yeah, the fact that there's not a lot of minimum weights in Nicaragua is pretty impressive actually. But you would have thought they would have had someone like in, like. In neighboring countries travel through, but apparently they couldn't have anybody come down. So that's that's the scenario with all of that. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Escalante defeated Mario Mairena by TKO. On paper, this was by far the biggest mismatch because Esca uh, Escalante was twelve and zero and into the fight, and Mairena was two and nineteen and one. Fifteen right. losses by KO. Is thirty eight years old, and Mairena was actually winning the fight in the first two rounds. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this might go down as one of the most bizarre, given all the circumstances. This might end up one of being one of the most bizarre fight cards in recent memory, and that might have been like the nail, the final nail in the coffin on just the bizarreness of everything. Where you have a two and nineteen and one <laughs> guy beat a rising twelve and zero prospect, but Escalante ended up winning the fight. He stopped Mairena in the fifth round. This was. This was weird, but overall, not a bad fight. It was not. It wasn't bad actually, and it's weird because uh, Escalante, as you know, is the prospect undefeated facing the uh, 
two nineteen and one sounds harsh, man. I, I, I like what they do, like on, on like other shows in Gunton States. Twenty two card fight veteran. I, I, love, I love that a lot. Now that always cracks me up. <laughs> it's like she's man. But no, it's weird because if, if, if no one has ever seen Escalante, I, I implore you guys to check the video footage of this out. Actually, uh, he looks kind of like this fight compared me so much to uh, Sebastian Fendora versus Daniel Lewis on the uh, Wilder Fury card. Because uh, uh, don't remind well, me of that fight. It was I a little better. It was, it was a little better than that, per se. But just the way the sheer size of Escalante was just like towering over him. And it's like, and this, and, but he was able to get inside and he was able to use, he got able to use his jab on him. It was like, oh man, like when's he going to figure this out? And then fifth round it was over. But it's like, oh, this was, oh, this was, no, this was weird, Carlos, actually. But I was, I was thinking with, with fights like this, you see fights like that on paper and it's like, all right, this went to the fifth round, right? You'd think that's kind of a disappointment, you would assume, because what usually with records like that, you'd expect something like, you know, the, two through four minute fights at most usually you don't expect these things to go more than like two or three rounds but uh, no uh, he, he he knew his angles a little bit to get around from some of those shots uh, that's why he was winning the first two rounds but just he got caught up with after a while it's like oh man <laughs> <laughs> let's see we got the co-main event freddy fonseca not francisco fonseca as some yeah. people i i legit saw some people on Twitter, say, wait, wasn't wait, wasn't he the guy that fought Tim Farmer or or something like that? And like, no, mm, they no. confused him with <laughs> they confused it with Francisco Fonseca. He defeated Alain Aguilar by TKO round five. This fight, there was nothing to this fight except, bizarrely enough, the fifth, the start of the fifth round. You had Aguilar on his stool. He was sitting down, didn't want to come up. The referee starts counting as if he was down or took a knee, Not but he was him. still on his stool and counts to like seven or eight. Then the referee kind of acts like he's, I guess, waves it up. He didn't give a clear indication. Then he kind of goes up and then I like gets up and then there was no clear communication as to what the hell just happened. Turns out he, it, I guess he was counting out, even though they, I don't think the referee ever counted to 10 technically. I don't think he was up to ten actually on that, and it's strange because I think he said he counted to ten and he was sitting on the stool. It's like yeah, maybe it was maybe it was just, just reps uh, first day at the job apparently. But if they don't get up off the stool, you you can you, there, there's no need for a count. He's not getting up. It, it, it's over. You, you know, I, I, I'm guessing he was waiting for his trainer to like either like to throw like the towel at him or something. I don't know, but that that was. It was weird in terms of that, but it was funny that people were really confusing. Like, isn't this the guy that got knocked up by Ryan Garcia? Like, no, this is the guy that got uh, got beat up by, by Jojo Diaz. This, this is that one. But it was interesting because Fonseca actually looked halfway decent for the most part, but it, it also showed the disparity in competition, uh, Carlos, in terms of this fight. Clearly where it was like, this guy was, he was facing through, Aguilar was throwing these left haymaker, like, wide punches that looked like something I've seen, like, out of Roadhouse. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, and I'm thinking to myself, how the hell is this fight still going on? Yeah. Like, at some point, I thought, like, Fonseca was just going to line him up at some point and just, like, end this, but he couldn't. But, yeah, he kept from, like, this looping left hook, and I was like, there is no way he's going to land this. Like, I don't know what fight he's won with that, because you only, you're trained to fight and use what you know. fights. I want to know who are the eight people who lost to him. Uh, and has the check cleared on all those eight of those victories? You know that that's where the, the, the sketchiness of some of these questionable records comes in. But you no, know, and heading into this fight, he was on a four-fight win streak. 
and who were the people he was facing? Like, I mean, Freddie Fonseca isn't exactly a world beater here. We all saw that against Jojo Diaz. And actually, he was coming up a loss himself actually out of London against, uh, what was it, uh, Joe Jose Luanares? I want to say it was, it, was, it, was, it was some Frenchman I saw. Where that, it, that, that's uh, on you. Yeah, John Joe Nevin. Yeah, Nevin, where Nevin was pretty much just jabbing him to sleep. Uh, if that, that footage is on YouTube somewhere on the archives up there. But yeah, when I was like, okay, like, oh, all right, well, great to see Fonseca got a win somewhere. I, I don't know what this means down the line for him, but it's, it, it was cool to see interesting I, I was watching on Boston Twitter, like the few people that I know who are, who are the, 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 the real diehards are like, they found a Fonseca for this card? Like, yeah, that, that's him. He, we, we, it, it's him. <laughs> they will need to see that, but yeah, definitely wasn't Francisco. <laughs> Definitely wasn't the strongest fight on the card either, but it was just fun to see that he was out there nowhere. And people were like, well, he's wearing the same trunks he wore the JoJo Diaz fight. He always wears those trunks, guys. That's his uniform. Yeah. It's okay. It's boxing shorts. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, uh, Robinson Mora defeats Ramiro Blanco a second time. This time, big unanimous decision. 77-75 on two of the three scorecards. 78-74 on the third one. I said it earlier in the show. I thought this fight was pretty good. It Definitely makes the case for best fighter than I. They, these guys were just training left and right. Now this wasn't, this wasn't you know Gary Ward or anything like that. But yeah, let's be honest. We on paper, you would assume this would be a far worse fight than what we ended up seeing. I like this fight. I like this fight a lot too. And there was a lot of inside boxing with this one too. That I, I love a lot of that, especially in the middle rounds, or especially on the fifth round as well. And it's like, oh, these guys are willing to trade. Where it's like you'd think one guy would like catch this guy, but you can just see as I guess because these guys are familiar. By that point of the fight, these guys were familiar with each other's, you know, how much they could take with these guys' shots. And it's like, all right, so they were just like pretty much just throwing tit for tat. And it was like, okay. No, there was one of the few fights because like, I went to the scorecards and there was one of the few few fight cards I, I was trying to do my translation. It was like, all right, seventy eight, seventy four, six, seven, seven, five. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, the scorecards are fair. I, I don't think this was a draw or anything like that. I don't, I don't think this fight was that close. I think it was a clear victory. But, and it was, it was just neat to see that these guys were just willing to trade and they, they got, they actually played out the fight card out for once as opposed to what they did the last go around with this fight where it just stopped randomly for no apparent reason. <laughs> Yeah, and that about wraps up for that card. I mean, I thought this card was good. And listen, as much as we would love to see these these boxing shows, these major fights happen, you know, it, it kind of got to a point where I'm starting to think to myself, I kind of want to see if I can book these shows better. And so yeah. I'm. if you're listening to this, by the time you're listening to this, you, the new edition of the FIFA Boxing Newsletter is out, and you can see an entire section of dedicated to this but i wanted to have some fun and that's the second reason why i wanted to have marquis johns here is that i wanted to see what we can do with fantasy booking interpromotional uh events so the way i have it set up is we have one promotional entity versus another promotional entity and it could be any fight it doesn't matter you, you know doesn't matter you know take the politics out of it whatever you want so long as those two uh, the fight card is just entirely consisting of those two uh, promotional entities, and it's between six, you can make it between six and eight fights. And you can read my full thing. We did, we're doing a couple of them here, but you can do, you can read the full thing on on fightful.com on the Fightful Boxing Newsletter. So it's basically about as clear cut as I can get regarding the rules about that. So yeah. one thing I wanted to see is uh, how would each of us would book a PBC versus Matchroom boxing card, and and it, this this includes the US and UK branch. You don't you're not restricted to either of them. We you yeah. can combine both. So my card 
And not necessarily in this order, but you can. So I had a seven-fight card. And I'm reading from my phone right here. Deontay yeah. Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. It's okay. no-brainer. Yeah. Andy Ruiz versus Dillian White. Adam okay. Konoski versus Alexander Usyk. David Benavides versus Callum Smith. Ray Vargas, who did sign with PBC, even though he hasn't fought for PBC. And yeah. Murajan Akhmedaliev. Jermall Charlo versus Demetrius Andre. And this okay. might seem a little bit out of left field. Jared Hurd versus Israel Madrimov. That's not bad, actually. Funny you mention that because in terms of my PBC versus Matchroom fight card, I, actually, I got kind of the same ones as you do, actually, to an extent. Except for... I have Luis Ortiz versus Dillian White. Now, I want to explain why, actually, because I first fought Luis as well for a second. But then I realized that I'm, I'm, I'm taking Wilder at his word at face value for this, where he's saying that Luis Ortiz is the boogeyman. And I'm beginning to think about this because Dillian White's been calling out Andy Luis, obviously, after seeing him against Anthony Joshua. So it, it's starting to make a little more sense. So I figured, all right, let, let's see if we can do it against Luis Ortiz instead, who I think was supposed to face Anthony Joshua the first go-around after, after the whole Jer- Jarrell Miller debacle. And that all fell by the wayside. Uh, I have as well. Uh, I have Charlo versus Andrade as well because that, that fight should happen at some point. I don't. I, I know yeah. they're, 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 they're. I know they're complaining about 2017 and he ducked it the first time. Listen, Tom. Times have changed. Make the fight happen. Stop it. I have, of course, Wilder versus Joshua. That's that's a slam dunk at this point. I have, and I'm going on. The, I'm I'm saying this fight with an asterisk just because I know of, of the, the limitations of this. I have Gervonta Davis versus Devin Haney at 130, and that's the, that's where the asterisk comes in on my end, as you well know, because I was at Davis that, Gamboa, and and there is no way Davis was not a pound not short of. How did I miss that one? How did <laughs> yeah. I miss that one? <laughs> that's the one I have on my end. Uh, the other two that I have on my end actually as well is I have I have Caleb Plant versus Callum Smith actually instead of Benavides. Okay. So that this is. This is I, quite I, was on really, that part. I was re- I was really, really close to putting Caleb Plant instead of David Benavidez. Like, I have no problem with either of those fights. Yeah, I, I just think with, with Plant, it's a style thing with Smith. I, 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 it, just the way they, stay, they match up, they match up pretty well on that part. And the last one I have on my card that's different, I think, than yours, actually, you don't have it. I have Leo Santa Cruz versus uh, Joe Cardina, actually, at 130. I do have that one. Hmm. That's an interesting she- one. I when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's not one I would have immediately thought of, but that is an interesting one. Yeah. Those are the main ones that I have in mind. That, that, was, that was my card I had for PBC versus Matchroom. So the other one we got is uh, Top Rank versus PBC. So my card is v- Vasily Lomachenko versus Gervonta Davis, which I think I'm, I want to – I'm going to go out on a limb and say you also have that one. I have that one also. <laughs> Crawford versus Spence. Which is yeah, have, another no-brainer. The, the second one on the list. Go ahead. <laughs> Fury, Fury versus Wilder three because I, as much as I kind of want to put in like a, there's really no other PVC heavyweight that like is would make for a bigger fight or at least a fight as big or as interesting as Wilder Fury three. So I'm gonna keep it like that. Yeah. This one's a little bit out of left here because you know. Jamel Herring versus Leo Santa Cruz. 
That's interesting, huh? You know what? Actually, that's what I don't have, strangely enough. I don't have Herring on this list, actually, because the one that I have at 130 is one that should have been made about two years ago, uh, Carlos. And that, that of course, is uh, Santa Cruz Frampton 3, which is which is what I have on mine, actually, here, because that, that needs to happen at some point. Oof, that's <laughs> a good one. That's a good one, too. Yeah. This Now, this one, I can guarantee you for a fact, Neither you nor anyone listening to this show would have immediately thought of. But let me explain. Right. Shakur Stevenson's versus Luis Neri. You know what? I wouldn't because I I think only because, well, I mean, Neri is allegedly 118, all right? So that, that's that 126 is possible, that's obviously. Why. And that's yeah. why. <laughs> because here's the thing. For, you cannot. It, you have. Some people say, well, he, he's a band when it's like, if you honestly think Luis Neri can make 118 pounds, you're what a bridge you want? bleeping idiot. <laughs> Hell, do you want me to say I you? wouldn't <laughs> trust him to do super bantam weight. I wouldn't trust him for that weight either because he has, because he's been over that weight limit, even with fights at bantam weight. Yeah. So I, I've said this for a long time. Skip bantamweight. Skip super bantamweight. Just go to featherweight. He's yeah. going to be a lot more comfortable. And I'm thinking to myself, who from top rank would make for an interesting fight? And I thought Shakur Stevenson. You know, Luis Neri might be a stronger puncher, but Shakur Stevenson, I think he's I think he's fast. He's younger. I think his ring IQ is a lot better than yeah. what some people think. I think this would make for a really, really good fight. And lastly... Emmanuel Navarrete versus Guillermo Rigondeau. Now, if you'd asked me like three, four years ago, this fight would I think a lot of people would say that, that fight's going to suck. But yeah. we are in this, like, passes prime, post-Lomachenko loss, Rigondeau, who is, has no Fs given, will yeah. have a good fight here and there. I think with Navarrete, I think this is the kind of fight where you might actually see Navarrete... Like actually showcase his stuff. Yeah, no, that's actually not a fight at all. Actually, and, and it's fun because the, the Navarrete fight that I have on my list, actually, I have it at Neri, but that's with the caveat thinking that it'll be, be at a catchweight. There's just no way that he's going to do 122. I'm, I'm convinced on that too. And then Navarrete was was talking about as well, talking about moving up once he clears out 122 at some point too. So, no, that makes sense as well. Uh, the only other fight that I have on my list that and it's solely for my enjoyment on this one, Carlos, personally, because because I'm, I'm that guy. It's uh, Guido Verillo versus F.A. Ajagbe is the only different thing on my list. Just for a sear aspect Ooh, of that in terms of heavyweight prospects. It's a weird-looking fight on paper. So I know in the original, like it. it's just interesting. Yeah. I like it. I, I actually – I try to see what I can do with, like, top of the uh, top of the companies and entities for each guy. But that's not a bad fight. That's not – I actually like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, outside of that, it, it was, the one thing I realized I was running into a problem with was like after that, like you, you like the weight divisions where it's like, all right, outside of Crawford and Spence, where it's like, what's flipped for everybody else at one forty seven for top rank, and it's like, all right, I mean, I mean, you have Emiri Mon, I think I think that's like second on the food chain, or uh, you you have uh, Ramirez or Taylor move up. I mean, that's kind of where it's at, and the same thing with one forty for PBC, where it's like, all right, uh, you know, you have Carlos Balderas, and it's like, well, I mean, you have Bronner on the list at some point. Like, do we are we are we really trying that? Are we really attempting a Bronner fight in twenty twenty at this point? I mean, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, all right, so this is a little bit of bonus one. You, I don't think you have this one, but I'm going to just put it in just see what people think. 
Top yeah. ranked versus Golden Boy, and I actually feel especially proud of this one. Ryota Murata versus Canelo Alvarez. Okay. I think with a motivated Ryota Murata makes this a way better fight than than most people would think. You know what's funny about that that fight, actually? I really think that was the fight that was originally supposed to happen with the whole Canelo sweepstakes when they when they were mentioning, you know, uh Saunders and then Smith and then I forgot. There was a fifth name in there as well that they mentioned now, and I was like, nah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Where they even, I think they even mentioned like Beeble, like if you want to move down, he was like, because people want to move down. I was like, ah, that's none, none of that's happening, guys. Where it's like, yeah. and then it, and then it landed on Saunders at this point by default because I think Smith declined it. So I was like, mm, mm. okay, but yeah, no, Morata sounds like a, I think that'd be a decent fight. I think they were trying to originally try that in uh, uh, Tokyo, but I think that was during Tokyo baseball season and, and Tokyo baseball. Yeah, season. they so, yeah they, there was I guess there was a small effort to try to get the Tokyo. Done it for single day Miami weekend. That's gonna, that's going to be close to impossible. But listen, Canelo Alvarez, he wants to fight in Japan. He said in the past he lo- would like to fight in Japan. And like, let's be honest, we all know what that means. He wants to fight Ryota Murata in Japan because that that fight is money in Japan. Murata is a, is a superstar over there, and, and I think that makes a good fight. I've been advocating for that fight, Murata versus Canelo or Golovkin for a couple of years now, and I think that like. It could be really good, no matter who it is. No, that might make sense, though, actually. And actually, I think it would be a pretty decent one. I, honestly, I, I stand by this review on this one. I, I, just, I just thought they were using his name as a smokescreen for all this other, like, all this other in, the, in the meantime afterwards. And then we, we get found this Billy Joe Saunders, and it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not the worst fight at Super Middleweight, but it's not the one that was raced out to go see either. But in, in terms of what, what Canelo where it's like, if Canelo, it's one of those things where if, if Canelo wants to fight this person, it's usually locked in. There's, there's no... As, as much as Oscar says, there's like, well, we're, we want to play the we, we we don't want to show our hand or anything like that. Usually, once Canelo shows his hand, there's no other hand to play. You you just accept that and you move on. It's kind of what happened with the whole Kovalev thing, where it's like everybody in their great great grandma knew that he was that once Kovalev beat Anthony Yarda, that he was going to fight Canelo Alvarez. There was nobody that knew it otherwise. It's like that was like it was boxing's worst kept secret of 2019. I'm convinced <laughs> at this point. And you kept seeing, you kept seeing all these media releases. Where it was like, well, when's, when's it going to happen? Well, we don't know yet. We're still working it out. It's like we're not going to work it out. Just pay up. I mean, that that, that that's, that's essentially what was happening. Where it was like because it got to the point where I think even like Kathy Duva was like saying at one point, like, hey, we're just waiting for the money to show up. And that was like the last thing she said for the fight was made official. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have that as I guess my main event, right. co-main event. This might seem a little weird, but Vasily Lomachenko versus Ryan Garcia. I, Lomachenko wins that fight, but I think it'll be an interesting test to see how Ryan Garcia faces against truly elite competition. That's uh, fair. Terrence Cropper versus Virgil Ortiz Jr. Let's be honest, Virgil Ortiz, he might be the best. Uh, that might be the best fight Terrence Crawford gets when you compare it to the rest of his resume at welterweight. Yeah, make a considering, case. yeah, considering that they're offering at this point now, if he doesn't take uh, this whole Spence thing, whatever, whatever that may or may not ever happen in our lifetime, uh, they're, mm-hmm. they were mentioning things like Kel Brook or him moving at 154 to fight uh, the guy who beat uh, Adamez uh, for, for that Patrick belt. Patrick the Yeah, and it's like, are we real? It's like, are we really stretching that out? I mean, just bring back Amir Khan at this point. Like, what are we doing with this? Yeah. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that yeah. It's, it's it's weird where it's like, and it stinks because Crawford is is obviously one of the greatest fighters that we had going at one forty seven easily. There's no question about that. Just that, and, and I and I hate when people use the word. I've grown to hate uh, Carl's fight resumes. I've, I've grown to hate that boxing Twitter has spoiled me on the word fight resume. It's like, oh gosh, like because <laughs> I, 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 I use this as a great example. Like no one's gonna remember this time next month. The fact I'm talking to you right now to mention that Maurice Hooker on that Daniel Jacobs, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez card fought, fought a guy on, at welterweight on three days rest. No one's going to remember that. They remember the next fight where he was with fighting Rages Progreas. That's all that matters. And he, and he lost to Ramirez. That, that's what people remember. They're not going to remember that that fight happened whatsoever in, in, on three days notice and beat him in two minutes. No one, no one, no. But, but once again, that's on the resume. So what are we going to do? <laughs> Win's a win, right? I mean, that's, that's why I hate when they do because time, time will dissolve all of those type, kinds of fights. But you know, with, with, with Crawford with that, because because Crawford was was undisputed at 140, and then we moved mm-hmm. to 147, and then all of a sudden he just can't make any of these fights. He, we hear Bob now because he, he's under quarantine, or he, you know he's growing the same beard that we're all growing now, uh, saying he wants Pacquiao, which is funny because if you talk to Bob at all any time last year, he wanted no part of Pacquiao. Same thing yeah. because he was because he was dead set on having it with Spence, where it's like, hey, well, PBC can't put every fight on pay per view. Well, they put every fight on pay-per-view last year, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a fight Crawford would be good. Uh, the other... Yeah. The rest of the card, Jamel Herring versus Rene Alvarado. Uh-huh. Shakur Stevenson versus Shu Chan. That's a good one, actually. This is a, another out-of-left-field fight, but I actually think this actually is a really good fight. Edgar Belanga, the un, the unbeaten middleweight prospect who's won every fight by first round KO against uh-huh. Gary Spike O'Sullivan. That's interesting. My question to you is this: That's actually not halfway. That, that's that's an interesting fight on paper. But you, do you think that fight doesn't turn out any different than the fight that uh, O'Sullivan had against Munguia, which we which eventually Munguia warmed down after, after about six rounds? You think it comes a little different? I think. I think. Spike would be a little bit better. I think Spike would would be a little fair, a little better. Simply the fact that Edgar Berlanga doesn't have the experience that Jaime Munguia has, and I'd love yeah. to see someone, a veteran, that can take Berlanga out of the first round, so I can see yeah, what he... what we can what what the hype is all about. But anyway, now that I'm discrediting Edgar Berlanga, I love him. I think he's one of the best prospects today. At some point, I would love to see what he does past the first round because he can't spend the rest of his career fighting, you know, low level guys and beat him in the first round. Something's got to give. Yeah, no, he's fun to watch. Actually. I, he was actually on the undercard of the, uh, uh I was down here in uh, Kissimmee with the, uh, Jamel Herring, uh, man, Saki like Ito hard card on Memorial Day weekend. That was down here in Kissimmee. I was there for that. And he went, he went the guy and that, that was win number 12. You had gotten in about one minute, 45 seconds. That was, it was weird, but but speaking of that card from last year, that card I think was notorious, and it's weird because I wish ESPN would like with the archives would put these some of these old fight cards from last year back up there at this point. Where like that fight card, like the first like five fights were like all first round knockouts, so that was and that was one of them, and 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 it got to the point because actually I was there at uh, physically in, in in attendance, so they 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 were giving out T-shirts, they had to do that whole bit where it's like they had to, they had to run for the iPod, had to play the hits, wacky uh, card games, they had to roll they had to roll out. That's where I saw. I think that's when Top Rank rolled out for the first time that year. The uh, the new uh, video package which they have now for the, like for the opening of their fights. I had like the whole Hearns and Hagler on it, and, and a couple of new fights under as well. They didn't have they didn't add uh, Vito Melicki's left hook under yet, but that came later this year after the fact. <laughs> but 
No, it's weird, but yeah, back back, back to Berlanga, by the way. Yeah, he needs to actually fight uh, actual competition that we all have actually heard of. He's he's been, but he has been mopping through these guys like the first thirteen knockouts in, in these one round fights. Though I'm really intrigued on that, but no, I, I just thought with Spike O'Sullivan that Spike O'Sullivan actually gave Munguia a pretty solid fight for a solid eight yeah. rounds. Is that he just he just gets just got worn down? That's that's kind of what happened after a while. It's a fun fight though, actually. Lastly, last two fights, Michael Conlon versus Joy Gonzalez and an all Puerto Rican affair that you can easily do it at either 135 or 140, Jose Pedraza versus Alberto Machado. Okay. Huh. That actually isn't bad, actually. I'm trying to think. But, 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 hmm. I've got Machado still on top rank. That's right. It's, it's been so long. And, then, <laughs> and it's fun with these cards, by the way. And that, I, I employ well, everyone else to try these yeah, as well. Because well, there's well, so Machado, many guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, Machado, I said I put Machado in there because he is he's promoted by Cotto, but Cotto has to deal with with Oscar Del Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions, where they have the Cotto guys fight uh, on a lot of these California, Texas, uh, the Zone cards that Golden Boy yeah. produces. So, I, I maybe not on an official sense, Machado is promoter co-promoted by Golden Boy Promotions. But it's solid enough that you can put him like you put him out on a Golden Boy card, and it, he fits like a glove. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And actually, I, I was thinking this. This one just want to throw a fight on my end out here, just because. Uh, what, um, you know, cause one like one thing I think about talking about obviously is a uh, Jamel Herring versus uh, Jojo Diaz. I think that one would be actually very interesting in terms of just just, just because what what their styles that you went at one thirty. But then again, I think that's the fight that they were talking about making at some point sooner or later anyway. So it's good. We'll, we'll find out what happens with all of that whenever boxing kicks back up. But no, I'm, I'm always intrigued with Jamel Herring because he's the one guy I think that could really, at some point, piece by piece, unify this division one way or another. It's either him or Burchell, one way, whoever, whoever gets all these belts first. And I, and I think the only way to do that, of course, is to get uh, the, 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 the IBF belt from one of these two, from uh, Jojo Diaz, if that happens. But. I know I know Farmer has a rematch. I don't know if he's moving up or down. I, Farmer's it's kind of funny. You couldn't get Tevin Farmer off a tour before this fight happened. Now he's he's actually been kind of low key on this. But it, it's interesting. We'll see if he moves up or down with this. But no, I'm really interested to see if he, if he takes his rematch with Diaz first. I if, I'm not a gambling person at all because I, I suck at it. So I'm I'm assuming he's not honestly because you would have thought. Like it, usually when people lose it, you know, once I rematch right now, just boom, 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 we'll make it happen, and then. You don't hear anything for a while. I haven't heard anything at all about this, so I'm, I'm assuming it's off the boards. So <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. I wonder. Well, I, I do wonder what, what they have next for Diaz then at 1:30. But if it's not going to be a farmer, actually. Yeah, it's possible that they may have him do a voluntary title event. I'm not. I don't remember off the top of my head what is the. Uh, uh, I would this type I of situation right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ruin this podcast. We'll have you look for the IBF mandatories right now. The, 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 no one has enough time for yeah, yeah. any of that right now. Yeah, no thanks. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it, it, it may be Jono Carroll again, knowing knowing the IBF rankings anyway. So yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it probably is yep. Carroll actually. <laughs> oh man. Oof. Yeah, so that kind of is our, I guess, our little fantasy book. Again, the full thing you can w- read on Fightful.com on the latest edition of the Fightful Boxing Newsletter. Uh, thank you so much, Marquise Johns. We're going to send it to an interview with Andres Campo. Before we do, uh, Marquise, how can, how can the fine folk of Twitter find you? Absolutely. You can always find me on Twitter talking boxing and other miscellaneous nonsense on my television at Weak Sauce Radio, all one word. 
still pound for pound, Carlos, one of my favorite Twitter handles on Twitter, it, it, and it's mine, called Ego Stroking as Much is a must on, on the internet. <laughs> so, yeah, big fan of that. Also, you can find my writings every so often at BigFightWeekend.com. That's the site I write for, and all, we, we post all sorts of fancy goofiness. Uh, latest thing that we put on there was the fact, and I want to freeze up with you, actually. Uh, did you see the story? Uh, I think House from Boxing Team posted it about it, about uh, Tom, uh, the whole fallout from uh, uh, Eddie Hearn and Julio Cesar Chavez up uh, and, and, and that court ruling. Pretty much the courts ruled in favor of uh, the court, of the commission, actually. So... Essentially, they the, the, they the commission may have the opportunity if they try to pursue this or try to go after Eddie Hearn for this in terms of having up uh, boxing fines and levies because he because he pretty much that fight as we all know for uh, Daniel Jacobs versus uh, Chavez Jr. was supposed to be in Vegas. It, Vegas wanted didn't have uh, Chavez Chavez wouldn't take the drug test and then he tried to circumvent and make the fight in Phoenix and there was this big roundabout and hoopty hoop about it. And now that they dropped this gavel on this, so pretty much they they had the, the possibility of, of pretty much going after Hearn for fines and. Uh, they always say threatening uh, boxing licenses. We we all know what with most commissions, if you if you scratch a check big enough, the, that that revoking doesn't happen, obviously. So they, they, or suspensions right. or license nonsense. So I'm, I'm intrigued on how much uh, Hearns got to pay out for that to have a, a fights back in the in Vegas because I'm guessing they're trying to because I'm guessing the, I'm guessing from what I read on it, they're trying to supersede like any other precedent now with that because because he had this fight out of their jurisdiction now. So. I'm wondering if they're going to actually lay uh, actually lay the law on that down, or just make Hearn cut a check, which I'm going with the latter more than likely. In the, especially in these times, I'm, I'm pretty sure if there's enough money involved, all of it goes away. So, but I, I just thought that was interesting, where it's like, oh, they finally ruled on that today, where it's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's really really interesting, and uh, I do want yeah. So again, thank you so much for for coming on the first read time. I think you you. Beaten Shumper's two appearances. If we're nice. counting pre-recorded uh, media call chats, you've been Deontay Wilder twice, uh, who done it, who was here to, uh, on the podcast technically twice. Yeah. I think Canelo as well falls under that Wilder criteria, so once or twice. Brand, I, a ton of boxers have been on this show in one way or another. So you are the first three-time podcast guest. These fighters need to catch up, guys. I'm just throwing it out there. But no, that's awesome, Carlos. I appreciate having me on, man. <laughs> All right. And now we're going to send it to an interview I did with Chilean prospect Andres Campos. And welcome back here to the show. I'm joined by my next guest and as well as his translator, Ignacio Rojas. I'm joined right now by the unbeaten prospect 9-0, Andres Campos from Chile, who's here to talk about his career, how he's been handling everything with the coronavirus pandemic, his career up to this point, and what his future, what he expects his future to be. Andres, how are you doing? ¿Cómo estás, Andres? Muy bien, aquí en casa, eh, eh, muy contento porque mi familia está bien, yo bien, y nada, entrando lo, lo que más puedo, eh, tengo aquí varios implementos para poder hacer muchas cosas, estamos activos. I'm very fine with my family, I'm trying to be as most active as possible at home, doing uh, exercises and working out on my own, but everything's all right to me. Well, you know, Andres, before we kind of get to your career in just a second, uh, you for kind of answer the first half of my question, how are you and your family handling? Uh, from the boxing side, how how difficult has it been 
uh, not knowing when you could be back in the ring, especially with a fighter uh, with an impressive record who's slowly climbing the rankings such as yourself. Andrés, en esta situación, ¿cuán difícil ha sido para ti mantenerte, sobre todo en un momento en que tú estás tratando de subir en el escalafón y tratando de eh, llegar a mejores lugares? ¿Qué has hecho últimamente para poder superar esta situación? Bueno, eh, primero que todo, eh, trato de ser un, un boxeador bien profesional, la palabra lo dice, y mantengo al día todo, trato de descansar mucho, alimento bien, y, y entreno doble sesión todos los días, del viernes y del sábado por la mañana, así que eh, eh, soy un atleta eh, completo, completo. Eh, tengo un gran equipo detrás de mí, así que tenemos todo para, para llegar a, a la grande liga, como dicen, así que vamos paso a paso. Esto, eh, no me está estancando, sino que un, un receso para el fondo y vamos bien encaminado. I'm taking this just as a recess because I'm a professional and therefore I'm resting enough, I'm being quite disciplined. I try to eat uh, only appropriate things. I train twice a day because I'm trying to be still a complete athlete. So I'm still working. You know, for those of you who may not have seen you fight, obviously you're 9-0. You've won a number of titles in Chile. You've decorated amateur part of the national team for, for years and years. For those that have not seen you fight, how would you describe yourself as a boxer? Andrés, tienes un récord de 9-0, has sido parte de tu selección nacional. ¿Cómo te describirías tú como boxeador para quienes no te conocen? Bueno, me considero un boxeador inteligente en el ring, eh, muy rápido. Creo que acá en Chile soy el, el boxeador más rápido. Eh, también eh, escucho mucho la esquina y, y eso me permite poder sacar toda la pelea adelante. Así que es súper importante eso, escuchar la esquina. Well, there are three main characteristics that I can point out now. Um, in the first place, I'm smart. I try to be intelligent on the ring. Also, I believe that I'm a fast boxer. And also, I usually listen to my corner. That's a very important point in what I do. How did you first get started in boxing? You know, Chile is not, uh, to a lot of people, Chile is not necessarily a country where... Uh, a lot of people immediately think of boxing. So I'm just cu curious, uh, how did you first uh, fall in love with the sport of boxing? Andrés, en Chile no hay una gran historia de muchos grandes boxeadores. Eh, ¿Cómo fue que tú eh, te dedicaste al, al, al boxeo? Bueno, cuando, cuando era más pequeño era un tipo problemático. Eh, peleaba en el colegio, en la calle y, y nada, eso creo que fue mi club. La primera vez que pise gimnasio dije todo lo mío, así que empecé a entrenar, se dieron los resultados muy rápido y a los seis meses salí campeón nacional, cadetes, y ese fue el club que ya va a estar el día de hoy donde estoy. Was it at that point where you started kind of be? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Nacio, too. I didn't get you. No problem. Not used to having a translator on these shows, so. 
Well, when I was just a kid, I was a troublemaker, actually. I usually fought on the streets. Uh, so very soon I started to train on a, on, on a gym. And after six months, I became a national champion. So I had a kind of fast start. And uh, speak a little bit more on that. You were obviously highly decorated amateur, as you just mentioned. You won a national title in just a few months. Was it at that point that you thought to yourself, maybe I could do this as a professional? Cuando ya tuviste ese logro, uh, después de los seis meses, tuviste la ambición de lograr más cosas como un profesional del boxeo? Por supuesto, eh, siempre me inspira los, los grandes boxeadores, siempre los veo y, y me dije a mí mismo que ese no podía ser el, el techo de mi carrera, así que seguí entrenando y, y cada vez quería ir logrando más títulos a nivel eh, de aficionados, así que hoy en día podemos dar el salto profesional y, y con, con la disciplina que hemos tenido, el equipo que hay detrás, eh, podemos tener los títulos que tenemos. Well, of course, I always wanted more. Uh, at the beginning, I started to follow great boxers, so I told myself, after that kind of inspiration, that I could get more titles and try to, you know, give uh, uh, my fans and all my country uh, those benefits of having a great boxer in, in our country. Andres, you've spent some time, you know, in the past sparring when training with the likes of Andrew and Jason Maloney, who are two highly decorated pros, one of them already the WBA Super Flyweight Champion. I just wanted to get your thoughts on what was it like training with those two and getting to travel to Australia uh, to sort of get that experience that not a lot of people uh, get at that um, at the point of their career that you're at. Andrés, eh, tú tuviste la posibilidad de entrenar con los hermanos Maloney, que tienen un, un, un récord también muy importante. ¿Cómo fue ese periodo con ellos, tu entrenamiento con ellos? ¿Y cómo también fue el ir a Australia? Un asunto que no todo el mundo tiene la oportunidad de poder hacerlo. Eh, bueno, yo cuando fui para allá, eh, el boxeador que recién estaba caminando, en el boxeo profesional, creo que iba 5-0, y, y fue un, un, una base de entrenamiento de mucho aprendizaje, aprendí demasiado con, con el Team Molona y con, con Angelo Haider, así que eh, espero volver pronto. Well, actually, you're absolutely right. I was a fresh boxer. I was just starting my professional career, so I went, I, when I went there, I, I learned quite a lot, both with the Maloney brothers and my coach, Angelo, there, so it was a great chance for me. You know, you fought in March. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you last fought in March. You scored a win against Pedro Villegas uh, by unanimous decision, and walked away still as you know the WBO Latino champion, and you, and I believe also another regional WBA belt holder. How would you describe your performance in that last fight that you had? En marzo reciente, Andrés, peleaste con Llegas y obtuviste un cinturón de la WBA. ¿Cómo sientes es, esa pelea que tuviste recientemente? Eh, bueno, creo que eh, eh, Pedro Llegas era un boxeador complicado porque era zurdo, pero peleaba muy inteligente, en la esquina, eh, hice caso. Eh, estuvimos a punto de, 
que no queda algo, pero no se dio y lo importante es que se ganó bien y claramente eh, estamos muy contentos con el resultado. Well, that was a very complicated uh, fight because uh, Villegas is a southpaw, so it was not very easy for me. But at the end, in the end, I was about to knock him out, and I was very, very happy, very glad after the final result. You know, 2020. I, I think a lot of people looking at you're looking at you as a boxer would think that 2020 would have been a breakout year for you. What was your goal? When the year started, what was your goal that you had set out for yourself as a pro? Was it to just fight more often, get more experience? Was it to increase the level of tough opposition that um, that you already were facing? What was your goals for this year? Bueno, este año, Andrés, eh, supuestamente había la posibilidad de que tuvieses un trampolín más allá de tu carrera. ¿Cuál era tu intención inicial? Eh, pelear con otros boxeadores mucho más duros, entrenar mucho más fuerte, en general, ¿qué eran tus planes? Eh, bueno, yo siempre para donde voy entreno fuerte, eh, eh, creo que vamos bien encaminado, está un poquito vamos peleando con boxeadores de más nivel, eh, eso habla muy bien de, de, de mí y de mi equipo, tomamos riesgo y, y como te digo, estamos para grandes cosas, creo que ahora hay que hacer un par de defensas, o, o si bien vamos a adelante pelear un título internacional y, y hasta escalar al título mundial que es lo importante. Well, actually, um, I always train hard and I expected to do much more this year, which I hope to be coming in the future. I hope to be able to have two defense fights, but everything depends on, you know, the current moment. How have you been keeping yourself busy now that, you know, there is no real timetable for when boxing returns? What have you been able to sort of do to keep yourself uh, busy? Andrés, ¿cómo te mantienes ocupado? ¿Qué cosas haces durante este periodo en que no podemos volver todavía a la actividad regular? Eh, bueno, acá, como no podemos hacer mucho, tengo donde entrenar, que me queda al lado de mi casa. Y estoy entrenando en doble jornada todos los días, así que, como te digo, estoy en forma, eh, esperando que esto te pase rápido nomás y, y poder volver a pelear, que es lo que más quiero. Well, I keep my training. We can't do much, but close uh, to my home, there's a place where I usually attend, and there I, I, I still training and, and work out. You know, the flyweight division the division that you compete in is very very good at the top right now you got champions such as Moruti Emtelain you got Julio Cesar Martinez you got Artem Delakian all holding uh, you know one world title each out of those three champions uh, which of them do you, would you be most interested in fighting in the future eh, tu división, Andrés, el peso mosca, tiene exponentes muy fuertes en este momento, tales como Julio César Martínez, Artem Dalakian, Moruti Matlane. ¿Cuál de aquellos que te interesaría enfrentar en un futuro próximo? Bueno, lo, lo ideal sería eh, eh, pelear con todos, pero no te puedes decir. Eh, todavía no estoy pensando en eso, eh, me estaría apurando, me estaría adelantando mucho, así que, eh, como te digo, vamos paso a paso. Eh, Estamos recién con el título latino y, y todavía me estaría apurando mucho en decir que ya quiero pelear con un campeón mundial. Así que, eh, eh, 
Well, ideally, I would like to fight all the three, but at the same time, I have to be prudent, and I understand that I have to go step by step. Perhaps it's not my moment to fight any one of those three, but the, the moment will come. Little by little, I want to do things safe and sanely, of course. <laughs> you know, one thing that... Uh, I know you mentioned you've been trying to keep yourself busy. You've been trying. You've been training in the gym. Things may not be as easy as it once were. Uh, but were you able to sort of do anything else in terms of maybe find a new hobby, a new activity? I, I remember I was talking to the Maloney brothers recently, and they mentioned that they were uh, watching past fights to sort of pass the time. Is there anything that um, you know that's not training related that you've been able to do during this time? <clears throat> Andrés, respecto de los tiempos ocupados tuyos, ya que no es tanto lo que has podido hacer o lo haces de acuerdo a tus posibilidades, ¿has encontrado algo diferente que hacer? Como por ejemplo lo hicieron los Moloni, que se ponen a ver peleas antiguas. ¿Hay alguna actividad o hobby que hayas tomado últimamente? Bueno, me, siempre todos los días estoy viendo una pelea distinta de, de boxeadores de distintos pesos, igual de ahora. Eh, y también estoy ocupando la mente un poco leyendo, eh, soy malo para leer, creo que me estoy tratando de acostumbrar a eso. Well, like the Maloney's, I'm also watching videos of past fights, and at the same time, I'm struggling with reading at the moment because I, I haven't been a good reader so far, but I'm fighting and i will certainly win too in this respect well i, I really do appreciate you trying to make the effort and reading more i do i think it's a it's a great thing that you're doing right now and it's a great thing that you've been able to keep yourself busy uh last thing before we wrap things up is there anything you want to tell for any of your fans or for any new people that might be interested in following your career once all this uh, chaos ends with the coronavirus pandemic. Bueno, Andrés, te felicito. En realidad sí que estás eh, haciendo este esfuerzo por estar cerca de la lectura. Sin duda que hace muy bien. Finalmente, ¿te gustaría decirle algo a tus fans que mientras estamos en este periodo de receso de pandemia, algo que tú quisieras transmitirle a ellos mientras estamos en este periodo? Bueno, primero que todo, agradecer a Carlos por la entrevista. Y nada, decirle a la gente que se mantenga en casa, que hay que cuidar de ellos y de su familia y, y que tengan paciencia, que vamos por más títulos, así que eh, vamos con todo, me estoy preparando para eso y, y estamos aquí para, para pelear con el que sea más adelante, así que muy contento. En primer lugar, Carlos, me gustaría agradecer por esta oportunidad. And then to all, to everybody, I would like to uh, advise them to stay home. Of course, we have to take care of everyone, and be calm, be quiet, because more titles are coming. I'm training, I'm working on it, and you will see in the future. Stay home. I think that's great advice from Andres Campos. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Andres Campos, 9-0, unbeaten flyaway prospect, climbing up the rankings. Thank you so much to Ignacio for helping translate this uh, with this interview. And to Nico, who you may not have seen, but he has pretty much been the glue that kind of held all this together. So appreciate uh, all the help, Nico and Andres. Again, thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to following the rest of your career moving forward.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.